Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Welcome back to Acts of Pod. Um, we're excited to be back. Uh, as always, I'm Gina on lead vocals. <laughs> We've got, um, and I also record harmonies. Uh, and I write the music, but I'm not gonna brag. Uh, uh, liner notes. Uh, we'll, <laughs> okay. okay. Everybody knows that's the best part. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see when the liner notes come out. Well, and then we've got Anne on bass, who is chart. Who is uh, a chart topper? Chart topper, <laughs> obviously, but also tries to keep me in check with my ego and fails. <laughs> that is and me. Hi. And it might just break up the band, but not yet. It's been 20 years of this. Yeah. yeah. 20 years of this same old shit. <laughs> and then on on percussion, keyboards, Guitar. and fresh off of a, of a stint in rehab for what I can only assume was a... Whip, a, a whip it addiction. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, no. none. Obviously, none of that's true. No, ex- no. Except for the except for the whippets. The whippets. The whippet ex- yeah. addiction. Yeah. Right. Um, the Neelands. The scourge. Yeah. The scourge right. of uh, right. the Midwest. If you could see her burned little lips from here, and I. <laughs> Be careful with the crackers, guys. Serious question though: Did any of you guys ever try circus in a bottle? Um, Is that no? All right then. I was just trying to see who the cool kids are. Wait a second. Are those poppers? No, it's the VHS cleaning fluid. Oh. Oh. Okay. You know what? I'm not going to answer this question because this is going public. So. (laughs) Well, I mean, I never did it either. I plead the fifth. Oh oh, wait. Okay. Okay, kids, don't don't. We gotta cut this out. Don't try it. Circus in a bottle. Yeah, okay, wait, maybe that's like, only what awesome people called it. They don't make it anymore. What's the last time you saw a VHS tape? Oh, good. Yeah, safe safety zone. So we don't have All to right. worry about influencing the, the circus, anyone. The circus isn't in town anymore. We're talking okay. about grand grandparent well, drugs. You know at this what? Point. The elephants obsolete. Are, the elephants are out of the circus, which I think we're all happy about now. Right. No. Okay. That's a great, uh, great connection. <laughs> so we're coming to our topic today. Um, <laughs> it involves. It involves whippets. It involves elephants. It involves a circus. <laughs> but actually, before okay, before we even get to our topic, yeah, I wanted to remind people that what we try to do here is we find something that has been in the news, a topic that's been explored or popular in the news or that's on Twitter, and we try to provide a larger historical context so you can make your own decisions without feeling that, you know, that it, it not as a part of a grander narrative, but you just have a little more information to make your own decisions. Yeah. Not that we aren't biased I mean, we're biased. Oh, I'm definitely biased. I mean, we're decent. I mean, that's our my bias. My my, yeah, my bias. It well, you know what? You know, yeah. We'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it. (laughs) We'll save it. We'll save it. And all right. Okay. Yeah. And I know. I know you got the canned heat. 
She is. She is. She is chomping at the bit. All right. Look at her. For now, keep it sealed. Okay. I'll tell you when it's time. Okay. Okay. So, what made me think of this topic that I brought to my sisters um, is, well, there's several things. One is that there have been um, several massacres that have been uh, committed by white supremacists. Okay. And I don't think we have a very good understanding of what white supremacy is (laughs) and what it looks like when they get to make the rules. Okay. So I thought... Oh, God. I was thinking... What's a good way that I could make that phrase more real to people when it's not just a way of thinking, but actually legislating and you can see the effects it has on other people's lives? So that just that. Yes, yes, yes. The other point is. Oh, sorry. Oh, go for it. God, it's the can heat. I'm I'm canning it. Sorry. I know. She's exploding. Well, look, girl. I'm, I'm going to give you your solo. <laughs> Any minute now, you're going to get your... It's going to be such a hardcore bass. My bass solo. You can just, you can just slot the boss. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. Now, point number two. Really quickly. Is that I, I think that the chaos of this environment that we're in now, I think it's important to bring attention to these movements that were started by people who were in impossible, powerless positions that ended up growing and changing the world through sheer will, right? Right. It's possible. It's happened before. Right. And, uh, why don't, you know, we'll just revisit that. So that's right. how we got here. Yeah. Now, Anne. Yes. I want you to check okay. left and right before you open that. Can it? Okay. Can okay. Okay. I'm like taking a deep breath. <gasps> I know, buddy. <gasps> I know. So, together. so the thing is, is we list ourselves as a, as a comedy podcast. Do I think all this is hilarious? No. Do I need to use comedy to cope with the sheer ludicrousness of white supremacy, murder, uh, uh, of just the the, the logic of, of, of an imagined racial system? Yes, I'm gonna need to use some right. comedy because so, when it, you boil it, when you boil it down, it is it is absolutely absurd. It and is to see completely how completely ridiculous to see the gymnastics that people go through and, and I, to I, hang on to it right. is so, right that, is laughable yeah. only to the extent that you know. So that was my big thing I wanted to get across is because. I feel it's important to for for the listener to understand that I also <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna need to make some jokes right. Um, right at the expense of these ridiculous losers who invented made up laws right of right. nonsense okay right. I'm done punching up we'll only be punching up I get it and yeah. you know. The other thing is that, um, I mean, well, Cezanne has two abuelitas, uh, but I, I'm pretty Caucasian, <laughs> and uh, so is Anne. Yeah, and that's so, why it's my responsibility as a wh- white person to dismantle white supremacy. That's what I think. Yeah, that's why it's important for people who look like us to talk about it. Um, I, but I, we do have to be yeah. careful, I think, to be like respectful of the the history, and hopefully, I think I think what we're talking about today too. A part of it is, um, is kind of 
trying to uncover a, a history that was erased because we are exactly. f- right. we are right. focusing on on the women who were such an important part of this right. which we do, which isn't it hasn't been the focus on it before uh, of it I think I think what we're all trying to say is that you know it when you're talking about anybody's story you just want to make sure that you're approaching it with a certain amount of respect and you know and you don't want people I I don't want because it's so fraught yeah that it's an, I I don't want people to think that I don't understand how my life has been made easier that I don't acknowledge the advantages that right you know the the system that is still very much alive and well here you know it's not I I my I think all of our desire is that we just want to honor this history and and let you know about it and uh by retelling this story and um here he is so before before we get back in the time machine going back to 1955 where we are going to cover the bus boycott made famous by Miss Rosa Parks before we get there um I wanted to give you a definition of white supremacy that I found the most helpful, which was on the Urban Dictionary. Oh, well. Hmm. Okay. So the belief that members of the white, i.e. those of European ancestry race, are superior to other races, although the white race has a long and impressive list of accomplishments, whites who believe in white supremacy typically engage in the logical fallacy of assuming that they as individuals somehow share in these accomplishments because they share the same skin color or ancestry. The supremacy or lack thereof of a given race says nothing about the individual. When speaking of races, one necessarily speaks in terms of distribution and the values of any given attribute, intelligence, hate, uh, height, weight, running speed, but referring to individuals, each has a fixed value. Caution must be taken not to engage in the fallacy of believing that because one is white and the white race has an impressive list of achievements as a whole, that one somehow inherits this prestige or value. Same applies to other races. Mm. Yeah, okay. Right, it... I but my feeling was that they were saying that as a joke. Okay, I did not. I didn't realize that. I'm sorry. Yeah, that my feeling was that they were saying that for one person to to say because European ancestry may seem impressive that they themselves are superior to another person based only right. on that history is is a logical fallacy. Right, okay. yeah. Um, I mean, I understood so that, what it was saying. Ex- that but. explanation was funny Get- to me. Right, and uh, the only reason I brought that up, I, I was using it as a joke as opposed to a more academic definition for it was because I think that when you're on Twitter, for example... There's a lot of men that will say, well, you're welcome for castles, you're welcome for roads. <laughs> right, Not, right. You know, so that, right. that is the demographic right. that I felt was being addressed. Right, no. And, and it was like, yeah. you didn't build a castle. <laughs> right, no, okay. And in fact, they were burning libraries in Alexandria when you were living in a cave. Yeah, and I love the point that you're making about... <laughs> You're welcome for castles, (laughs) which is ludicrous. If we, I mean, now that we've flushed this out, yeah, I kind of want to use what you're saying in the podcast. And (laughs) and yeah, I think the other thing is is that I the difference between like the advantage. It's not an advantage. It's that, like, I'm on Twitter so much, so I know how awful those people are. Like, I read that all the time. Yeah. Where they, 
And so I, I know who those, <laughs> that, that commentary is directed towards <laughs> and what it's talking about. Because you would think. It's hilarious. Well, because it's, it's very, that, that comment is You're to welcome. a very specific. You're, yeah, you see it all the time. You're welcome for catapults. Like, <laughs> Trebuchets. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. They're like, I can't believe you have the nerve to use a computer to criticize men. Like, th- all the time. You're welcome for computers. It's, you're, you know, it's you're like welcome the- for your fingers. <laughs> Our sperm created it. <laughs> like, I you're mean- welcome. That- <sighs> you're welcome that we incubated Isaac Newton so he could come up with gravity. Dum dum. Yeah. yeah, he invented gravity. <laughs> yeah. No. So. I, again, I, I, I think, yeah. I guarantee yeah. you there were other people around the world who also noticed that. I think, do you think there's more than one person who got hit in the head with a rock? <laughs> or an apple? Yeah. Or. Pretty sure there were really intelligent people within every civilization pretty sure the mayans were like way ahead mathematically well, that, when i was like talking about white supremacy i think that like you know is that it the the fallacy is that <laughs> yeah you know you're talking about you're to, like like colonial europe when 1500 years ago <laughs> yeah. there there's the mayans yeah. and you know the egyptians and right. who were making temples where when the sun was in a certain place a fucking ray would hit this place <laughs> or like know? the the nazca lines like yeah oh perfectly constructed lines visible from space <laughs> We were catapulting people's severed heads. Yeah, but cool. so proud of applause. We can, <laughs> we can just get back into the time machine. I we won't even. T- honestly, I think you could leave some of that in because it's really. We funny. can leave some of that in. It's pretty, we can leave some it's of, pretty fucking funny. Before Isaac Newton came along. We were literally floating around. We had to tie each other to tables and stuff. Guys, washing washing her hair was miserable. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if Isaac Newton hadn't invented gravity? (laughs) Where would we be today? (laughs) How would would basketball happen? All right, so I mean, we talked about this when we were talking about the Southern strategy, but like during Reconstruction, um, you know, the North still had troops stationed in the South, and the the other thing is that there the population, the distribution of like who your neighbor was. So when you had this population of um, black families and black folks that were living and working alongside working class and poor white Americans. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and in some places like Alabama and Mississippi, it was like 55% of the population. Yeah. Right. Were black Americans at that point. Sure. So, now there's been speculation about this, but um, that at the time there were people of means that felt that if you had this group of workers speaking to each other about concerns they had about <laughs> the way they were treated, sure, or their wages, quality of life, health care. Right. That that maybe people would start expecting better treatment from their employers. God forbid. And so what was sort of instituted was a psychic wage 
which was even though everybody was still going to be paid the same, deference would be paid to poor whites as opposed to poor blacks. So with Jim Crow laws, even though you're not getting better care, you're not getting better job opportunities, you still feel as if, you know, your place in the hierarchy is assured. Right. Right? And so it it's a that that almost divided society is almost a strategy of the powerful. Ex absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You're on target. So they uh now, not all Jim Crow laws were codified. Some some of them were just understood, wink, wink, wink. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the, when they were codified, they were, and I looked this up, de jure? Oh. I, uh, I, I don't know. You know, they pronounced it on the, on the YouTube, de jure. Okay. I believe you. I, no, I believe you, too. This is interesting. Yes. I don't know this. Oh, I appreciate that. No, I, I'm I'm excited because I, I don't know this. But I just wanted to give you an example. I mean, they changed over time, but this is sort of what the Jim Crow laws in Alabama mm-hmm. at the time would look like. And if if any of this sounds cruel, ridiculous, <laughs> petty, just blatantly uh, unfair, inhumane. Right. Uh, yeah. it, inhuman, cruel. I think you already said that. <laughs> it's really bad. God, it's just bad. Yeah. Obviously, no marriages between uh, people of no mixed race. Uh, oh, uh, laws of uh, miscegenation. Miscegenation laws. Yeah. Yeah, Mis- yeah miscegenation. So things like hospitals. Toilets, restaurants, buses. They made very specific laws where you would have maybe a different... uh, In the facility, you would have a different entrance or a different... Right. So you couldn't even be in the same place at the same time. Right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, if you can imagine, like, what kind of... it's such a weird psychic toll. Yeah. Exhausting, I'm sure. It's absolutely disgusting. Yeah. And talk about, like, living in fear of, like, well, be careful. Don't piss them off. They might kill you. Hmm. Right. Because as so- we know, there's no justice for Sorry to a person say- of color. That still goes on today, too. I mean, maybe not at the numbers, but it does. Right, right. But, you know, at the same time, it was, um, it it got down to the level, it was so petty where if an establishment, um, if there were a, a black and a white gentleman playing checkers, the owner of the establishment would be fined. So you you couldn't even put it. It it was right. very deliberate. It was a capitalist based segregation system, which will play into the Montgomery bus boycott eventually. But what you're saying, Gina, exactly. It's like, oh, you're gonna violate this. We're gonna fine you the business. Yep. So it it means that even if there were people that didn't agree with the laws yeah. or, or thought they were inhumane or th- it it's so discouraged being decent and being friends yeah know? i mean even reaching out to other people or to to form any sort of relationship or being it, like it, it, i'm i'm a lonely widow or you're a lonely <laughs> widower let's have a game of checkers <laughs> right. Why not, friend? Nope. Not here. 
not not in this fine white establishment. Yeah. I mean, Zebediah, <laughs> you know I don't care. I'm not the type, but I cannot pay such a fine. <laughs> or if they were in Louisiana. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, yes. yes. They- Boudreaux. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I'm cooking the roux for the for the succulent gumbo, and I, I I hate to do it. You know I hate to do it. But, uh, I I can't afford another fine from the government. Ooh, Boudreaux, you know I yeah, I hate to do it. I hate to do it. I don't have any hate in my heart towards anybody, Boudreaux. I mean, like when people use the phrase institutionalized racism, these are tangible examples is what you're giving. That is what it means to be have institutionalized racism where it is set up. Codified. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, as a. I just can't imagine what it would be like as a child, you know, having to be aware of the danger of using the wrong water fountain or going in the wrong entrance and, you know, or seeing other people. And that I just don't understand why it would be necessary for any of these laws to exist other than cruelty like i i don't the the danger of this sort of mentality is that when you look at those pictures of german shepherds and fire hoses on little kids and like you and i i immediately think oh god this how could somebody do this but then to see the same picture of kids in batting cages with mylar yeah. blankets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in the same, like if, if, if this, if the, if Jim Crow, if Twitter was around during Jim Crow, you could see how people would say, well, if they don't want to get hit with the hose, why would they be out there? Right. All they have yeah. to do yeah, just- is stay away from that lunch counter. Yeah, just just play by our rules. Just follow the law. Just follow the law, seven-year-old. Exactly. You know. Three-year-old? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, those little girls, they were... Yeah, I... Well, yeah, watch watch that Spike Lee documentary. It's... (sighs) Oh... It's a doozy. (laughs) But it was in this environment where there's a a little spark of humanity and hope. And Cezanne, did you want to? In Montgomery, Alabama, they um, there are about 50,000 black people who use the bus system Mm -hmm. and their bus system is obviously segregated. And there are only white bus drivers. Uh, only uh, white people are allowed to drive the buses. And I think about 90% of... I think I read. Mm-hmm. It seems pretty high, but... You're right. I think about That's 90% of those 50,000 mm-hmm. um, people who use the, um, the bus system were um, women. Black women. Mm-hmm. Domestic servants, yeah. basically, for yeah. privileged white people. Yeah. Um, so they were using the bus to get to, you know, across town, basically, to a a very far. So they were in a situation where they depended on this transportation for their livelihood. And in any kind of situation like that, especially when it's uh, in a system that's steeped in, you know, racism and one one group of people being, um, you know, subject to... Anyway, so, basically, the bus drivers had a, a reputation for being particularly just nasty because they could. I guess they 
they sort of wielded their power over um, over the black people who rode the bus, um, and you know especially what? the women. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take a guess that these were angry, poor white men. I mean, I mean, I don't know what they paid bus drivers in Montgomery back in the day. But, I'm gonna guess not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Th- th- now look, this is all me. I'm just saying. Yeah. But do you see what? Do you see where I'm coming from? I do. I do right. see where you're, are where you you're coming from. Are you telling me that the Rockefellers weren't driving buses <laughs> in Montgomery, right. Alabama? Right. Well, well, and the whole playing, you know, poor whites against poor blacks, um, you know. Tale as old as time. Same, right. Same as it ever was. Yeah. Um, so there was a group of women uh, who actually, it's interesting, the reason why they they started was because the league of women voters the local league of women voters refused to integrate so that's cool yeah (laughs) right so the white the white women would not have them uh so winning move by white people all right well i mean it that's the if i can just this just an aside but yeah go for it um there's a lot of uh moments uh, in history in women's history like the suffrage movement yeah yeah that's yeah that would be the one one that i would uh, it that are are really tricky to cover because they are also very racist yeah yeah super de duper yeah, and you guys, we're still not done with it. We're still not quite done with that. Super right. dee duper. Like I right. Yeah. Um so anyway, so the the local chapter of the League of Women's Voters refused to integrate. Sure. So black women uh created their own uh organization called the Women's Political Council. And it was led by Joanne Gibson Robinson. Love her. Yes. Love her. And the her, women. Love her. Uh, it was founded by basically black female college professors at Alabama State College. Fuck yeah. So, right. um, so basically, they had you know they had they knew of the plight of of these women, and they had kind of their their eye on the prize and they were they were waiting kind of for the right situation to come along so because so basically you know these women were subject on the bus subjected to daily humiliations they could be arrested when bus drivers accused them of like talking back or even not having correct change um Sure. There were cases of black women that were beaten and sexually assaulted by bus drivers. Um, there's also a case um, that so, but you can imagine probably that the League of Women Voters would not have, um, even if it had integrated, would not have used its resources to confront this. So in a way, I, I mean, this is what I was thinking when I was reading about it is like, in a way, not obviously it was not good that they did not integrate but the fact that you know they had their own political council to really look after their own interests and really kind of go after this was kind of you know a, a blessing in disguise because they were a very powerful very organized group of women yeah yeah I just, yeah. I just, I, I wanted to emphasize that um, I think this teaches us an important lesson about current advocacy as yes. well. Because yeah. um, I think when we talk about being good allies, um, and you know, we talk about intersectional feminism and the sort of being allies to to groups that you don't necessarily belong to yeah is that they don't need you to adopt them right 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 you know because that's actually kind of an extension of white supremacy yes yep. absolutely yeah is it, that they they just need your support like if you can 
if if you can spread the message, if you amplify can. their own voices, yes. Uh, yes, listen to what they say their needs are instead of you know what you know advocating for what you think they need. Um, one thing that so I, I do want to say like there Good is a point. really I love that point, Gina. I'm oh, buddy. I, no, I'm serious. That's like no, I know. That's like that's the reason funny. I'm on Twitter is yeah because of. Like, it's time to shut up and listen. Well, there's so there's this really, really, really amazing podcast called Seen on Radio, and they did this series on, um, well, they did a series on white, like, it's called Seeing Whiteness, but then the, the last one was, uh, it's called Men, but basically, they have a episode about feminism and, um, feminism and race basically and it's really worth a listen and there is they quote a a feminist philosopher that i can't remember their name but anyway she basically said that you know her her well, she postulates that the people who have the most uh, accurate view of what's really going on in society are the people who have the least like political capital. And so if you look at that, that. yeah. So if you look at that in terms of, okay, so break it down between men and women, obviously women. And then you break that down by race. Black women have the most accurate, uh, the most accurate view of, of what's going on in society of all of us. <laughs> well, can I, if you, if you, I'm just going to share something a little personal. Yeah. Like, so I am disabled and for like the past 20 years, you know, I live kind of on the fringes in a lot of ways. Like I've never married. I don't have kids. I have an illness and the, I've had to work interesting jobs uh, because of my disability and they don't hire me and et cetera, et cetera. So what I've noticed is that a lot of times when I have felt something politically threatening that my peers are always like, oh, don't worry about it. It's not so bad. Right. It's not so bad. And I'm like, Oh, it hasn't gotten that far yet. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah like yeah. they're the barometer. It's like yeah. the the people who have the the just the least advantage are the people who are going to feel the things that are wrong in society first. Right. I mean, the, I saw like the stagnant wages and everybody being a freelancer and all <laughs> right years ago. Right. And right. I was like, like, oh, guys, we're, we're we're headed for something really bad here. Oh wait, and, yeah. um, companies are really figuring out how to not pay insurance. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. yeah exactly. So I mean it. I, it's uh, just to it's just say in my own experience that I have had that feeling where I was like, what's it going to take for you to feel the threat? And it's, it, you know, and I think that like as a lesson that I, I was like, oh, idiot, like this has been going on forever, you yeah. know, like, yeah, and um, I was like, no, I now when other when I see like the animals start fleeing and the birds start flying, <laughs> right, right, I'll I'll go ahead and get out the area and not wait <laughs> yeah. for the news report. Yeah, you know, right, like right, yeah. Well, and, yeah. But and and the other thing is that what I what I really love about this this story in particular is that, and and this is a very similar experience for women in general is that there's so much labor and effort that goes in and um and and no credit received right yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah so they were the ones i mean this women's political council were the ones who were like this needs to happen and part of it you know there was a a case it's not famous because of the circumstances but 
a black woman who was raped in Montgomery Jesus. by um, by two policemen. And Ugh. of course, you know, you know, it went to grand jury, but it was w- one of those things where they didn't even expect it to get that far, but it did. And the case was dropped and um, somehow, Ugh. you know, they made it so that the names of the policemen weren't even released. So, uh. so this was the environment in which they were, you know, they were dealing with. And this is just one case that actually made it to a grand jury. So they were, you know obviously far far more than that so this really kind of became this bus thing really kind of became a situation of we are women and we need to look out for ourselves and we need to make this change happen right so in that year go ahead what i was gonna say is what the part of the organization that i thought was really clever is that they could feel that there was momentum building right right but they but they had to wait to strike like when the iron was hot and so well and also in the under the right circumstances that would they had to pick the right person they had to have the right case because there were other women that had been arrested and right and right this was gonna be yeah the reason why that year is significant. Oh, tell it. Oh, there's is, a lot of significance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cezanne doesn't have this written down in her notes. Uh, I've no, got it written kidding. in my fucking notes. I, I tell know it. you do. I know. Y'all don't even know. Everybody. Y'all don't even know my notes. You wish you, <laughs> you, you had so many notes. You wish you had my notes. Tell it. I don't, I, I, don't even, I don't even say 90% of the notes I say are right. She, she playing it close to the best. holding up a binder <laughs> and swinging it in front of me. She's doing right that now. thing where she just f- makes the pages go flubbity, 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 flubbity. She's going, and notes, and notes, and notes. <laughs> uh, it was Brown versus, Bro versus Board, Board of, Education. of Education. Right. Yes. So they knew they had the Supreme Court on their side in that case. And by the way, that is is that it it was encouraging to them that this was the first time that very specifically challenged a Jim Crow law, which was separate places of education because they had shown that the separate but equal did not apply. Oh, yeah, it was it, not constitutional. Right. It was not con- be, because uh, the conditions of the schools um, for black children were, I think, sometimes at 20 times the rate worse, like funding-wise, yeah. than it was for white children. So it, it the, right, as you said, uh, there was no equality there and so they they took that as a favorable sign that they could build on the momentum of that ruling to say now that we're already here right right since we've got this established let's just go ahead and knock out some other some other awful awfulness off the Um, docket i came across another really cool woman during the boycott, did y'all come across um, Georgia Gilmore? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, so she was a domestic worker during the boycott. They found out that she was part of it, got fired. She ended up, um, she started raising money, cooking to raise money. <gasps> And like Martin Luther King would come to her because, and this, this, I read this. King often had clandestine meetings at her home because he needed a place where he could trust the people and the food. And like Gilmore turned her kitchen into a restaurant. She like was feeding the movement. Yeah. She was feeding the fucking movement. And I read a quote from, um, uh, like a uh, historian about like 
women like Georgia Gilmore use their skills as household workers in the service of protest. They were not passive bystanders or so disempowered that they could not take action. Um, Georgia Gilmore should sit alongside Rosa Parks, Joanne Robinson, and Martin Luther King as a leader and visionary in the Montgomery bus boycott. Yeah. So... I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, no, I think that's like, great. Well, and it, what what I also thought was very interesting at the time is that, and you'll probably have this in your notes too, but that Claudette Colvin, who was a fifteen year old, yep, I love that story. Yep. Love um, it. Say it. Tell it. Do it. Are you sure? I don't mind. No, I, do I, it. I know it. I love it. So the. She was sitting at the back of the bus, and the bus started to fill up, and they had asked her to give up her seat um, for a white passenger, and she refused. Fifteen so th- years old. That's right. And uh, I, which would never, I would never have had the courage. I mean, can know. you imagine... And they had to pull her off that bus. Oh, yeah. Kicking and screaming. Yes. Amazing. God. God, I mean, God love a teenager. Who I mean, an angry teenager. Like, righteous anger of a teenager. You will change the fucking world. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like it's like the Parkland students. Yeah. You know? And not that there's not yeah, a that's true. to be paid. But what they recognized at the time was that um, that she, even though she got uh, donations at the time, yeah. she was not made the symbol of the movement because she was pregnant. Yep. Well, the uh, what I was going to say was that it is a burden yeah. to be a symbol. Yeah, exactly. And to ask a, a spirited young woman to take on that burden. So that's why they had Rosa Parks, who, even though at the time they said had no civil rights background. Right, which is a myth. Right. Very much. That's very true. Very much. Had that she was in a position that she they were able to make that decision, you know, not on a specific day necessarily, but if that if a similar situation arose, that she would offer herself as the symbol of that cause because she could take on that psychic energy. Right. Yeah. You know, and I I thought like that it's it's so responsible and forward thinking. Yeah. And the story has been so simplified and distilled. So that it's, you know, palatable and easy to talk about. Yeah. But it's much more nuanced. There was this whole process of figuring out who would be the person who could, you know, take this torch, like be this, bear this burden. Right. And the people who did that work were. Yeah. Women. It was this group of women. Yeah. Who was, who was. I'm sure that they sort of had the best interest of these two, basically, children involved. The second person, the Mary Louise Smith, who was um, who was arrested, she was 18, and she also had... Her father was an alcoholic, apparently. And so they were like, you know, she doesn't need this either. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I do think it was a... there There was a protective element there, because... Yeah, like, again, like, Rosa Parks... Because they knew that the the other thing is that, that there would be a backlash. So of course, be, yeah. I mean, like you're going to be the... Employed. Yeah. You're going to be the face of this entire movement. I mean, yeah. there's It's not going to be easy for you. And you're going to be a target mm-hmm. f- for harassment. So that's a lot to ask from a very young woman. But... Yeah. Uh, and the other thing about about organizing that was so important is that the and what you alluded to earlier and yeah was was that they tapped into something which i think is absolutely genius that they were like if we can't appeal to your sense of right or wrong 
Um, how about you going bankrupt? But what I, the other thing that, because the majority of writers were women, um, they boycotted the bus. So, and this was like, it was over a year, right? Where oh, yeah. they just didn't. So in a lot of these cases, they organized um, for taxi cabs that would, uh, you know, pick women up and deliver them sometimes for the the same price as bus fare. Um, But in a lot of cases, there were women that walked across town, like starting in the middle of the night. Miles and miles and miles. Well, they can I try to say they already had the women's political council already had like leaflets made up. They were ready. They were ready for the situation, right? So they had a sort of robust organization of sort of you know getting the information out about the boycott. So as soon as they as soon as Rosa Parks was arrested, they had their lady. They had their, you know, person that they were going to just champion in this. They were able to get the information out. They were able to, they had a strong network of women who got on phones and just called and called the meetings at the churches and got everything going and made it happen. Got got the word out to everyone. And that's the thing. That was all done by the women. Right. It would not have been successful had people started not losing money, you know, and that that would not have been possible if they could not reach these women and tell them the reason we're asking you to make these sacrifices is because we are trying to make the kind of world where your child doesn't have to suffer the indignity that we did. You know, that we are trying to make our corner of the world a better place. Right. Right. And your sacrifice is appreciated. They had this shared experience of being basically abused daily via a service that they needed to keep up their livelihood. Yeah. And everyone was willing to get on board. Yeah. Once they got the word out. And, uh, you know, and it took an additional 10 years, right? That's when the Civil Civil Rights Act was passed, 1965. 65? Yeah. Is it 64? Yeah, 65. I think it's 65. Yeah. You know what? We're, We're either right or wrong by a year. I think we're doing pretty good. Guys, just up. If you want accuracy, go somewhere else. Give it a goog. Look, I'm not. You can good look on, it up yourself. I'm not good on dates. I'm good on philosophical, big picture rage. Yeah, right. that's that is your wheelhouse. That's well, my wheelhouse. I mean, the rage wheelhouse is your wheelhouse. So <laughs> there's can. all kinds of rage in it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, the uh. So it took an ad- additional 10 years of, of organizing and boycotts and violence and <sighs> martyrdom and death and assassinations and murder. And, but it, it, the, the point being is that even if you feel in the midst of a chaotic, impossible environment where you're not being heard and you feel like the game is rigged, is that... You're right, it always has been. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But all I was going to say is that I think it's easy, especially now, to um, feel overwhelmed by our current political environment and and feel like it's it's just so crooked that you can't make an impression or you can't make a mark. But the point is, is that when you organize and work together and, you know, and work strategically, you really can make huge, positive, progressive changes. And in fact, that's the only thing that has ever worked 
because there was never a day where people woke up and thought, you know, let's just start being cool and let women go to school. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like, how, why don't women get to inherit or, I don't know, participate in the economy or get jobs or everything that we enjoy was thought for. Right. You know, like yeah. labor movements, all of these sort of things. I mean, all of this was fought for. So it's completely possible. I, I just don't want you to, to give up hope, but, you know, that there were people that felt, you know, they there was no precedent for what they were doing in this country. There was no no reason to ex- to expect a successful outcome. No, you know, especially they, not with the history. Right. You know, it's so the the fact that they for over a year you ha- I just think of these women that would walk miles and miles every day to and from work to work all day to come home to feed their own families like you know, and they did all of that 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 personal sacrifice to get this movement started it, it's, yeah it's amazing it's remarkable and it's uh yeah it's humbling as well yeah <laughs> i think you know as people who come from a place of relative privilege you know imagining what what that meant, you know, just spending all of your time just to serve people who were actively oppressing you and then and then go to work for a movement to break that down and then go to serve your family. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. inspiring. It is inspiring. That's right. So that's the bigger picture on... Not only the Rosa Parks story, but just, like, a really good example of, you know, how activism can work. And when you do have a better idea of of how these movements are successful and the effort and the, the labor of women that kept it together, you know, it's hopeful because you, you see now how many movements are being spearheaded by women. And yep. um, we just wanted to thank you for um, being patient with us. For one, this is a, it's a tricky to talk about these issues. We're learning together. We're learning together. We're learning and together. We're, and we're open. Wide open. So and, open to criticism. <laughs> but I just wanted to... Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, wanted to thank our one fan on Instagram. Oh my gosh. Tell me about it. It's a surprise. You wouldn't tell me about it earlier. Yeah. I want to hear about it. We have one fan on Instagram. Oh, yes. Wait, what? They mentioned our podcast <gasps> in the thread of another podcast. Really? Oh, yeah. And it garnered us more fans um so our one fan turtle xo turtle xo um first of all follow her she's obviously at this point the best fan of all time (laughs) yeah other than Dwayne, who also wrote us so we We got we have Dwayne and turtle xo our best fans yes that's right yes um so and if you want to get in the ring, by all means, check out our Facebook page. Check out Instagram. You can the, at all of Axopod. Um, if you want to critique our performance, um, you know we're we're pretty self-loathing already. So yeah, um, we don't need a lot of criticism. We we're we're cool with that. It's but, already I mean, in our heads. We go to therapy. All right. Yeah, we all go to we yeah. So we are um, we already we already are dealing with self hatred. So we don't. But also different. like, but also like, you know, we're, we we will listen. You know, we well, we're I, we're open to change. 
I, I don't want to cry anymore. If I did something wrong, right? tell me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, if it's, well, that's different. That's what I mean, Anne. I don't mean, like, treat me like a Like, asshole. they'll be like, hey, be what, be Hey, hey, Grodio. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. You're so gross. You're, yeah. you're such a gross bitch. <laughs> right. Anyway, wanted to thank our fans. If you wanted to get in touch with us, we are at Instagram at Exapod, Twitter, which we never use, but we can. I, at Exapod. We do I, have that power. I did do it for a while. I haven't been active on it lately. Okay. Right. It's okay. But I already have a video that I'm going to post after tonight. All right. Tonight has me inspired. There might be quite a few Twitter posts after tonight. All right. right. So. Okay. Don't Um, threaten me with a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Facebook page, Gmail. We love you. Thanks for listening as always. And, you know, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Just, yeah. Oh, wait. I haven't even stopped recording. Oh, I can... Oh, wait. I haven't stopped recording. I can go... Goodbye now. <laughs> <laughs>